She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. to really disappear i'll do what i think i've called on the podcast writing the bed i'll ride the bed for three days which is like i watch movies and and do nothing she's got a seatbelt and everything I she buckles up <laughs> i ride the bed hard feels like you know you're in the you're in the peak of an acid trip and it's just really colorful and lovely and everything's awesome and then like somehow it gets you kind of crash into something real and then it's not good anymore you know like so probably a subset of our listeners can relate to that oh yeah sorry sorry <laughs> that doesn't really clarify for a lot of people you know Just like, okay, we ride on yeah. the walkie-talkie. Yeah. It was epic. Yeah, we had to change. You, you had a code name for me. It was Fartface. <laughs> we had to move on from that. <laughs> I, I wanted to be Eagle Rider. <laughs> well, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Yo, yo, sup? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're trying new things on these intro, and I like it. (laughs) I like it. Word. Whoa. Well, today, we sit down in our camper somewhere. You have to listen to the episode to know exactly where Where in the world are Alistair and Julie Roxanne? Where are the Dumasses? Well, well, well. Uh, Today, we sit down in our camper. Shocker, we did not sell the camper. And we talk to you about, you know, what happened between last time we recorded an update and said we were selling the camper, and now, two months later, what happened? It's been a crazy journey. Uh, It feels like time has, has... Warped and, and, and we've gone through so much in these two plus months at this point, and, and we also wax a little, uh, a little poetic, a little philosophical on this one. You know, that's what we do, right? Yeah, that's that's why you're here, right? So, yeah. let's get into it. Let's get into it. Well, hello, far out people. Oh, well, hello there. Very nice to see you. Very nice. Very, Very nice, nice to indeed. see you, Alistair. Very nice to nice see you, Julie Roxanne. Be here, back in the camper, recording a podcast. How long has that been? Yeah, yeah. And uh, shocker, we're back in the camper. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. that is going to be the topic of today's conversation. <laughs> I don't know if it's the full topic. No, but, but it's, it's a big theme. Yeah, it, yeah. So and, you may have caught our life, our most recent life update where we said we were selling the camper and... Um, that was a couple months ago. A lot has changed since then and is continuing to change. But as we get back into the flow of this podcast after a nice little break this summer, mm-hmm. thanks for hanging with us on that. It's been really wonderful, actually, to have a little bit of a break. Yeah. Because a weekly podcast is kind of this like steamroller thing that's yeah. like just keeps going and going. A lot of fun. But once in a while, it's it's important to kind of let the well regenerate. I feel like this break really showed me that I love doing the podcast and I want to keep doing it. It's brought so much amazingness to our lives. And 
I'm also glad when I take a break because that allows me to remember that sometimes you yeah. know you do something out of habit or, or obligation and then you forget the reasons the real reasons why you do it. That's yeah, a good point. Sometimes it's worth taking a break to remember why you love it, mm-hmm. why you appreciate it. Yeah. So we thought we thought we'd give a life update. We this is not going to be weird for you, but it's a little weird for us because by the time it comes out, the way our life has been going, it may be very different, but. Chronologically for you, it's going to make sense. Yes. But it'll probably be uh, probably a month behind. Yeah, um, behind the actual events of our life. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. matters to me a little bit, but it doesn't really matter. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, where where are we going to start on this life update? I think we should start. We've talked about Yosemite, so we're going to put that kind of behind us. Yes. And so that's where we're going to start is after Yosemite. Yes. And and I'm a big fan of dates and times. And so I will just say this. Our last life update. You don't even want to see Julie Roxanne's calendar. Oh, really it's, oh it's awesome. I have to take it off my calendar just because it's so much shit. <laughs> you're, you're a loser. You just don't understand. Okay. I, all right. So I, I don't need to schedule a time where I'm going to eat. Oh, come on. It's nice when it's all full. And I use a lot of colors. It's great. And I don't schedule time for when I'm going to eat. That is do you, outrageous. Do you schedule time for when you're going to schedule time on your calendar? Uh, that's happened in the past. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Call them business meetings with yeah. you. Organization meetings. Julie Roxanne's going to start running a Google Calendar workshop. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to sign up. I know. I, I, I don't know if you should sign up. I don't know if Absolutely anyone should sign up. sign up. I think it works for me, but I don't know that it's the most efficient way to organize It sure as hell isn't. I can it, tell you that. It's, it's efficient for me. Okay. Right. Anyways, You're throwing just, out... I, <laughs> Throwing out some dates for my people out there who care about these kind of things. The last life update that we recorded, we recorded on June 18th. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was published on July 7th. And today, as we record, it's August 27th. All right. So it's great. been, it's been like, has it been three months? No, two, two months since June, our last, August. a little over two months yeah. since our last life update. Yeah. And it's been a juicy time, people. A lot is going on. It's been so juicy. This yeah. summer has felt like a warp zone, a vortex of, of shit happening yeah. in a good way. Like there's everything's so good. There's something interesting that we've noticed lately with our life because we're, we're doing these very intense things. Like, uh, like the journeys with Yosemite, they're 10 days long. They're super intense. And recently we did a combo training, which we're going to talk about too. And these periods are really intense. They take all of us. Mm-hmm. Like, are they require every part of me? Like, yeah. and for example, with the Yosemite and with the combo training, it's basically wake up, do the thing all damn day, yeah. go to sleep to get like energy to do it again, and continue for a week or longer at a time. And we kind of enter what I like to call kind of like mythic time, mm. but it's some other like dimension of time where things t- tend to. Time doesn't work the same way. It like kind of stretches. It's, all, that, it's very fast and very slow at the same time. I think a great kind of commonplace reference for this that most of us will know is like going to camp when you're a kid, mm. going to like summer camp. Yeah. It's like the relationships, you do everything together. It feels like it's, ages. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. only been a week yes. or whatever. It's really cool. I like I like that. I honestly um 
so as you've heard in the Yosemite recap episode, so you know how that went. That went well. That went great. That went fantastic. And I was fortunate enough to go on the second trip. And I remember saying to a friend on that trip, it's like, because she said like, oh my God, it's only been three days since we've been out here. It feels like four months. And I told her, you know, so much of my life is spent in these like mythic time, like vibes where I feel like it's been, you know, it's a week, but in my mind, it feels like it's been years. If I can continue to make my life centered around these experiences, I I can die a happy person tomorrow. Yeah, it's It's like so nourishing for the soul. The experiences are so true. And it, it actually connects back to the, a joke that we made when we uh, landed in the US after our time in Guatemala, which is like, man, everyone's going online because it was like, you know, peak of middle of 2020, like everyone was moving everything online. And we're going in person. And not only are we going in person, but we're going in person hard. Like whenever we gather, we gather with strong intentions, small groups, like deep meaning. Yeah. And and a fair amount of commitment to that time where you kind of can't leave. You're kind of in it and Mm -hmm. you have to get to the other side to to finish, right? You have to go through the experience. I think there's a couple like factors that play into this creating mythic time. One of them is that well, when, when we go on these retreats or, or whatever, time kind of goes out the window, like as far as like the more clock time, mm-hmm. right? Like that we kind of, it kind of disappears. We're not really paying attention to it. You're looking at kind of the ebb and flow of groups and what you have to get done. So I think that's a part of it. Another part of it is we tend to disconnect from the world or or society or the internet or all that stuff. And we go hyper-focused into what's happening now and here mm-hmm. with these people that mm-hmm. we're with. And I think that's another part of it as well. Wilderness is a huge part. When you get out in the wilderness for any stretch of time, time changes. I mean, the wilderness doesn't have a clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that seems to affect it. And then, you know, if you happen to throw psychedelics in there too, which a lot of our retreats tend to include, that also stretches the notion of time yeah. in, in interesting ways. Yeah. I just, you said like the wilderness has no clock and I would like to make a shirt that says that because I feel (laughs) like that's so true. And there's one other, which is that these, these times are very saturated with meaning and purpose. They Mm -hmm. feel very meaningful. We're out there for like, for, for a reason. And, and, and that's very palpable. And I think that's also something is when you tap into something you really care about, whatever it is, where you, you get a lot of meaning out of it, where it feels very uh, purposeful or important to you, I think that's those are those flow states, right? And that's another time. That's another time when time kind of seems to warp or change, or where we kind of break into a different dimension yeah. with it. Yeah, I think I like this this vision of like breaking into another dimension because I feel like I feel like we do we do that a lot. Like there's a lot of I don't know. It's so abstract, but this like vortex of time is not only has felt very real this summer, but as we're recording, we're recording this and we're going to get to, you know, where we are and what's going on right now. But it feels like the past two weeks have been cranked that up even more. It's like, you thought you knew what a time vortex was? Hell no, this is... It feels like this ancient place Mm -hmm. that, like, we're going back to almost. Mm. Yeah. I like like calling it mythic time. Did Did you come up with that? 
no, I've kind of taken it from you may have heard from it yeah from it. It shows up in like kind of. I think I'm using it in a different way than I, I've read it. But mm-hmm. there's a sense of mythic time. Like, if you read a myth, right, it's not really placed in time. Yeah. It's something that's always been true. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of comes from that notion. Totally. Well, on that, on that, let's just, like, where do we start this? We start where we kind of, I feel like we left you off, which is, we recorded a recap on Yosemite with Kelly in the house that we rented with her after the Yosemite, the second Yosemite trip. And we spent a week of, it was great. That was sweet. We just I indulged. Had, I've never taken a vacation like this with you or ever. And you know what? I made the, I made this comment to my, in France, it's, you know, most people take, most people have like five weeks of paid vacation a year. So taking holidays is, is, is more of a thing than here, you mm-hmm. know, like you go on longer stretch, stretches of time. And I told my mom, I was like, you know, if, if, uh, when you don't take like real vacation for like four years, when you take a week, it feels like months. Like yeah. we, we took a week and I felt so ready to go back and do and, and get back oh, yeah. into work. Yeah. But I also felt like we really stretched the time there too, where we were able to cram in a lot of relaxing and fun. It yeah. was so much fun. It was. And what I think what we mean by vacation in this, because I, I often, I don't feel the need to do that very often, yeah. but it's really like almost like forcing ourselves not to do anything. Yeah. Like yeah. really like forcing ourselves to turn off yeah. for a while and just kind of putz around. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, was great. It was just nice, you know, and for instance, we, we, I don't personally drink alcohol, but Alistair, you, you do once in a while, but you all, we also don't have, it's not a common thing that we have around the house, but there, you know, we went to Trader Joe's and we, we had burgers, there was wine, yeah. there were beers and cider and yeah. like it, just so festive makes it really like juicy so we we did that and then as the day of the end of that approached it was like oh my god we have literally five days and then we're moving to portland yeah so we came back to your parents house in san jose got everything sorted out which included like putting everything yosemite out of the way, like kind of clearing out all these things, you know, debriefing, you know, closing up the the spreadsheets and yeah. all the things that go into ending a project, which is oftentimes the part I don't want to do the most. And it's also extraordinarily valuable. It's the thing you kind of don't do, yeah. but it, it's it's really, really important to kind of close it oh, instead yeah. of leave a bunch of open loops and things like that. And I have to say, this life we've moved in has become very project-based. And <sighs> I'm really enjoying that style of work where like it's very intense and but we we intensely focus on a project for whether it be for weeks or months um in the case of Yosemite I think if you if you were to if my old business self were to like break it down hourly it's like it's it's a bad deal <laughs> right but like as a lifestyle yeah. if you're doing things you care about and like work and life are merged to the point where they're much more the same thing and, mm-hmm. and what you're doing for work is also how you're living and how you're living is also what you're doing for work and all that and then it doesn't matter so much if you're what you're getting paid by the hour because you're not really hiring out your time mm-hmm. you're doing what you love and what you care about it, it's interesting to actually to really get into a place where that's the case yeah because all of a sudden that like what i make by the hour or by the week or whatever it just kind of goes out the window it's like i'm doing 
this is what I want to be doing mm-hmm. and it's and it's supporting me to do that. But anyway, these projects, like we have these really intense times where we're on mm-hmm. and then we have these kind of equally intense times where we're off and it feels so much. I don't know if this is going to, this is going to ring true for everyone. For me though, that feels really good to have periods where, where I can really check out. Like mm-hmm. I'm not like keeping some things kind of going like, I can really just disappear off the face of the earth for a little while. Yeah. And in other times where like it's really intense and it requires all of me, I, I'm really liking that off and on kind of yeah. that project based life. It's a lot of fun. And you know, the others, I, I, I agree. We, I came to a similar conclusion. It, feel, it feels like it was a, a profound realization for me. Like, wow, this really works for our personalities. This really works for who we are and what we want to do to, to work in a project based manner like that. And what's interesting there's a though, lot of freedom with that too, because on those on those off times, yes. like there's like on the on times, like you're really committed. But yeah. like there's a lot of freedom in the off times. It gives a kind of a freedom that I think travelers particularly appreciate. Mm, yeah, yeah. And you know what is interesting is that when when what you do is so aligned with you know what you believe in, what you care about, there is also a sense of I don't really want to take that much time away from it. Like I just, I enjoy doing it. And so when you say, you know, we have off times, what's interesting is that at most I'll take three days like that in a row. If I'm really tapped out and I need to really disappear, I'll do what I think I've called on the podcast, writing the bed. I'll write the bed for three days, which is like I watch movies and and do nothing. She's got a seatbelt and everything. She buckles up. (laughs) I write the bed hard. Uh, But but that's that's the extent to which I want to disconnect. Usually by day four, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to I'm ready to know what's happening. I'm ready to check back in mentally with the work and the projects because it's our life, and yeah. I, ca- I like I care about it deeply. Yeah. yeah. So little musings on on project based life. But so yeah, we we wrapped up Yosemite, and we had to do something that, uh, or we did something that I. I, I had a lot of trouble with. I had a lot of resistance to doing it. When we were in uh, San Jose in June and we recorded this great episode called We're Selling the Camper, I was dead sure we were going to sell the camper. I had said my goodbyes. I, we had moved out entirely. So all of our stuff was in your parents' house. The camper was empty, ready for showings and ready to be whisked away by the future owner of, of our camper. And, uh, well, that did not happen. It, and I am glad. Spoiler alert. I'm very happy that it did not happen. This is the perfect thing that could have happened for us. But Julie Roxanne from a few weeks ago, who had to carry all of her cooking stuff and all of her clothes back into the camper, the, it was soul crushing. I don't know why I was just struggling so hard with it. I really, I felt like we were just going backwards. I felt like, man, it's never going to happen. We're going to live in this tiny space forever. And just like dragging my feet like crazy. It is interesting to notice, like to note, this is something I've been working on this, especially this last month. Very juicy, very juicy work on. I felt, I kind of think about this as, I can't remember where I heard this, but someone defining mental health as the, oh, I remember it was in, what's that show? Uh, Midnight Gospel, the Midnight Gospel on Netflix, highly recommend for anyone who, uh, who hasn't watched it. And in it, 
one of the guests on it was saying that mental health is the ability to be with reality as it is. And I feel like for the last few years, that's been a really kind of tender part of my work of like accepting reality as it is and stop resisting and stop living in expectations that make it hard to actually connect to reality as it is and, ex and experience the joy of that. Because like when you do, when you really let go of the expectations of what you wanted things to be, then you can be with how things are. And usually it's okay. Yeah. At, at worst, or it's fucking awesome at best. So what was the expectation that you were struggling with at that time? The expectation was I had mapped out this entire thing, which is we're going to go back to San Jose. We're going to sell the camper. We're going to go on the Yosemite retreats. And then when it's time to move to Portland, we are going to find a place, preferably unfurnished so that I can uh, nest proper and like get my, my couch, my carpets, my things and, you know, make it my home. Uh, and, and yeah, and, 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 you know, from there hosting combo inoculations there and just like having that space to yeah. having an address to get Amazon deliveries. And and so that quickly, that started to be obvious that that was not the way forward. Mm -hmm. So first off, we weren't able to sell the camper. We tried or we put it up. We had some people come out, but you know, this is not a small sale. Uh, we were we were listing it for for about forty seven thousand dollars. So for the for the whole package, like the, the truck and the camper, for the truck and the camper and and the solar solar well, yeah. installation and everything that's on here. So a big a big chunk of cash. Um, so it's got to be right for the person. We had a couple serious buyers, mm -hmm. but but they all washed out for different reasons. And so we hadn't sold it by the time we got to Yosemite, and there was going to be no time on the other end. Yeah. On the other side, we were starting to look at the Oregon market or the Portland market in particular and realizing, ooh, it's kind of competitive. Mm -hmm. Also, ooh, we're not very ideal tenants. Yeah, uh, I think that was like the hardest point. We're self-employed, so we do not have stable income. Um, we don't have a very good rental history at this, po we, at this point. I have, I have none in this country. Yeah, and on top of that, Uh, we like to bang drums. Um, that, that's part of our job. And we wanted to kind of work in, in the place, yeah. uh, which was probably going to have to be... You know, Underground. Uh, you know, yeah. Not mentioned. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so we were realizing, oh, it's going to be a little bit... And then on top of that, there's, our, there's the financial situation. And over the last few weeks, it's gotten clearer as we look at our schedules. Oh, we're actually not going to be in whatever home we have over the next five months for half of that time. Yeah. We're going to be on retreat. I'm going to be in Guatemala. You might be in France. Like there's going to half the time we're not going to be there. And so financially to, you know, plunk down $1,500, $2,000. And I think that's like, that's best minimum. case. Yeah. yeah not, case. not if you're, if you're furnishing the place, all of a sudden now you have a bunch of things yeah, that you yeah. gotta, like, that wasn't going to make a lot of sense. Yeah. And it was going to mean like for us to do that, that we were going to have to hustle even harder in between all the other stuff we were doing yeah. just to kind of stay afloat with that. So like, as it went on and in your whole, we're holding this kind of vision that was more your vision than mine. I, I, I yeah. think like the burden got heavier and heavier. Yeah. The pressure was heavier because it's like, how are we going to make this work? The hole that we need to fit in got smaller and yeah. smaller. And it was, started to feel kind of impossible. And like, it was going to be really, really 
terrible. Yeah, and and so this is interesting because like all this process that you're describing really happened in the course of like five days. Like the intensity really cranked up when we got back to San Jose after the Yosemite portion of our life, and like we're ready, we're getting ready to move, and just every day was another realization that you just mentioned. And so this is. Actually- I remember mentioning a couple of them like a little earlier than you were ready for. Like you know, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and uh, didn't go so well. <laughs> yeah, no, and the thing is, I, I, that's one thing I appreciate. I think. This is something we ended up talking about recently, which is this idea that in order to make the kind of leap of, you know, deciding to move to Portland, some part of my psyche had to invent a scenario that was kind of a map that I could follow, you know? So it's like, you're in that phase of, you got to have the, the, the balls, the ovaries to dream that up when there's no reason to think that you're going to make it happen. Yeah. And so you kind of have, you gotta to have live, some sort of vision to move toward, yes. right? Like, and to some degree it has, you have to be a little bit deluded to be able to make it happen. Yeah. And you have to be my best moves I've been extraordinarily deluded totally and it's like that but that's part of the dream right like the dream state in when you sleep the dream state is not reality but it's the place where you can imagine possibilities yes and so what happened over the last actually week and a half um is I've realized how much in order to dream you have to kind of come up with a dream and then you you decide, okay, that's a good dream. I'm going to try to make it happen, even though on some level of reality, you know it's not going to work out It needs to be motivating. Yes. It needs to motivate you into action, yes. right? That's and the, so that's the th- purpose of it. And I think what was, what was more ultimately motivating for me at that point than thinking that I was going to have a home with my own furniture after six years of traveling. Like, that really spoke to a part of me that was yearning for that. Right. Um, and at the same time, it was creating a lot of pressure. Yes, yes. And yeah. I think, like, there's a... What's interesting in the kind of life that in those kind of life moves and in it, it's so common in our life it's starting to be comical how often we're in these situations of okay there's a leap there's a dream we decide to take the leap towards the dream and then inevitably although i think there is a there is a skill and i think you have it a bit more than me because i think you've been doing this kind of stuff for longer than me but inevitably parts of my ego and parts of my you know who I think I am, Julie Roxanne, parts of Julie Roxanne really grab onto the dream as this is going to happen. Yeah. And, and that's, this that's, is, that's where, and the that's where it, and, but, and so that's the, that's where the, the skill is being able to dream. And almost as soon as you've leapt, let go of the dream altogether. But for me, it's a continual process. So like, for instance, two years ago, that was a lot harder. These days, it's more like, I say out loud that I've gotten that I'm open to anything unfolding, but really there's kind of more covert energies and parts of me that are hanging on to the dream, grasping to like the house and the couch. And and that makes that makes you miserable and it makes everyone else miserable. And then all of a sudden you're always comparing where you're at to this to this ideal that you're not at. Right. And Oftentimes, as reality starts to present itself, because now you've leapt, so now you're going to actually be dealing with with the reality of that. Yeah. And as we started to drive up here, we realized, oh, because this always happens. This this always happens for me too. Is like I imagine this thing. Great, it sounds inspiring, right? Mm-hmm. But there's so many details that there's no way to imagine because I I'm not I'm not there. I'm not. 
yeah. you know, I'm not experienced with it yet. So I, I had to go there and then the details start to show up and all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, this is a lot harder. Or like, I did not consider that complication yes. or like the timelines, like I really just glossed them over in my mind. Like yeah. all these things that I thought would be smooth transitions are actually extraordinarily complicated and and detailed and, and you know what that feels like it feels like you know you're in the you're in the peak of an acid trip and it's just really colorful and lovely and everything's awesome and then like somehow it gets you kind of crash into something real and then it's not good anymore you know like so probably a subset of our listeners can relate to that oh yeah sorry sorry <laughs> it doesn't really clarify for a lot of people you know no but there's a, so there, i don't know it's more like in, in my in my visual experience it's like everything's the picture is perfect you know you yeah. look at the picture and it is perfect and then as soon as you get closer to the picture you realize that there's holes and there's more complications it's like it's, this it's like looking at a mountain from a distance and yeah. you're like oh that mountain's gorgeous i'd love to like explore that forest on the <laughs> bottom end of it and everything and then you get there and you're like holy shit, I had to cross a river. It's muddy as hell over here. I couldn't see that. It's steep as shit. There's like rocks coming down. It's scree and scrabble. There's a false peak here. Mm. And, you know, like when you get to the mountain, you're in it. It's like, you know, like you you can't see very far yeah. ahead. And all of a sudden, like you're actually in the terrain. Yeah. And then if you're still thinking about the ideal of what yes. the mountain looked like, you're, you're fucked, buddy. You got to pay attention to the to the terrain in front of you, to yeah. those details. You need to work with the boulder and the, and the creek you need to cross and that log and everything like that if you're still thinking about that ideal image of the mountain you're 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 toast that's a great metaphor and i think what i'm trying to say is that seeing the mountain and getting the inspiration of like i'd like to go explore this with that you know expansiveness in it is great is the motivator to go but then once you've gone you have to the skill is let that image go right away because right now what you have to do is work with what's underneath your feet and what you're seeing you 10 need feet to ahead. surrender to the reality of the mountain there you go at that point yeah and there's a and so i i kind of agree with you i think i've had a lot of practice with this because this is um i think this is a common this is an entrepreneurial skill mm -hmm. and it's one that I had been honing for six years before I started traveling yeah. with, with that. And it comes up all the time of getting attached to a result, an outcome, a, a particular notion of how this project, that product, this client, this relationship is going to go. Mm -hmm. And and as soon as I get stuck on that, I can no longer see it for what it is, yeah. right? And the trick there, like you said, is to let it go and then once you've committed to going for whatever it is or like kind of gone after a result, you got to let that go and then you got to deal with whatever's there. So there's there's like kind of two edges to this, right? Which is like you have to deal with what's there. Mm -hmm. and, and that can. And so there's some there's there's a lot of disappointment and grief that can come with that. Right. Like there's some disillusionment, rightly yes. so. But it, that can be painful. That yeah. is painful a lot of times. And. I think you got to embrace that and kind of move through that as part of the process is not like, no, this isn't going to work, but like, okay, yeah, my, my, I, my ideal was actually, you know, it wasn't accurate. Yeah. And, and I think if you do this enough, you start to have a known, a knowing sense that that's going to happen. It still sucks every time, <laughs> but here's the other side. Here's the other side of this, the other edge of this blade, uh, which is that if you're able to do that, and you kind of surrender to what is and you just deal with that so many times, particularly in my entrepreneurial life, I can think of the result 
was extraordinarily better mm -hmm. or more creative. Yeah. It w maybe it went in a totally different direction, right? Like maybe, maybe, maybe complete different direction. Yeah. But I, it would surprise me. Um, and maybe not all the time. Sometimes it might be a dead end, right? And then you, but like usually, uh, usually a, a lot of times I would come to some sort of outcome that when I got there, I'd be like, wow, I never could have imagined getting there or yeah. like I never could have planned to get there. Yes. I would have only, the only way I could get there was to have gone there and started to deal with things as they were. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's this, this kind of result that's much more aligned and better and more bespoke to my situation, my business, yeah. my, my goals than the original one. And this I think is having faith in the process, but faith in ourselves to deal with it as, as we go. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of scary. Cause you don't like that requires not knowing the, what the results going to be right. That requires letting go of that kind of certainty that we like to cling to that gives us some sense of security, right? Yes. We kind of have to let go of that and kind of go, you know, bushwhack through the weeds. Yes. And as we're still on the kind of philosophical plane before we drop back down to the reality of what ended up happening, because people still don't know where we are now. And it again, fucking awesome. Uh, but one of one other aspect of this that I want to share, because I think a lot of people, maybe potentially more women will will uh, kind of hear and resonate with, which is I was moving our stuff back into the camper. And I was, I was crushed that the dream of we were going to sell the camper and move into a house was obviously not happening because apparently I was moving back into the camper. And the overwhelming sadness of that, it's almost like the grief of letting the dream go. I could not be with it. I didn't even know that, that there was really grief. It was almost like that emotion was too intense. And so what I ended up doing was resistance to the emotion, resistance to reality as it is, spending a lot of time in my expectation of we're going to sell the camper and realizing that it's not going to happen. The, the flow ended up turning to resentment towards you or resentment towards reality, resentment. And so, res and it's not just you, like, it's like you, cause you're my husband and it's like, you're an easy target yeah. for that emotion. And, and this energy in you want, kind of wanted me to suffer too. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm feeling so resentful of everything and I don't understand why you're okay. So I want to like go to you and make you miserable as well, yeah. which is, I think a common pattern, um, to like for whoever's listening and there's like, Oh my God, I do that too. And I hate it. It sucks. I'm, I hear you. And, um, uh, my, m one of the best things I'm doing for myself right now is that I'm working with a highly skilled therapist, um, that, that I've, I've, I've seen four times. We don't see each other very often. He's kind of like a coach slash therapist. He's awesome. And the work that I've done with him, especially on this is incredible. I feel like I'm making so many, so much progress because what we ended up talking, I ended up talking about this with him recently and he kind of pointed out the fact that, you know, his, his framework is that there's all these things that we think are, are, are us or, you know, represents that I is 
or actually a collection of like coping mechanisms and and adaptive strategies that we learned from you know traumas and things that happened to us and and it doesn't have to be trauma like big trauma but you know like whatever our family dynamics were and how we how it was when we grew up and later down the line and so so there's that and we can op- like most people operate from that or you can realize that this is not you take the space from that and kind of operate from being sort of a, a hollow channel to be to let spirit or god or whatever like guide your journey and and so you can be the vessel for a higher consciousness and not just kind of stuck in these patterns that we all have and know and and don't know how to get out of and so this is like really blowing my mind in a lot of ways to realize how much that reaction of not wanting to be with with the reality that I was moving back into the camper was making me miserable, making everyone miserable and accomplishing nothing. And yep. then there was a point, maybe not right that day. Also also kind of blinding you from what could be. Yes. Right? Like yes. That, that's another big danger of this is that it it actually our vision gets very narrow. We get locked on maybe an impossible or, or not very realistic for whatever or suitable yeah. result. And and to the detriment of seeing a lot of other options that may be just as good or even better. But see, that's the key though, is that most of the time they are so much better. Like most of the time, and that's like that's one thing I'm starting to have experience with as we do this a lot, as we do these moves a lot, which is every time what we end up getting, where we end up is so much better, so much more creative, so much more interesting, so much more expansive than anything my mind could have come up with. Yeah, I, there's a couple of things I'd like to say about this before we close it and kind of move on. But one of them is, if you just think about it, it's like, okay, you make this ideal, right, before you get there at a distance, mm-hmm. right? And and then why would you cling to that when you're actually there, right? Because you have so much more information now yeah. when, when you get there. That, the, whatever, that is the time to revise that. Mm-hmm. Clinging to the old one is kind of ridiculous if you think about it because you made that with very little information from afar, mm-hmm. right? Like, so clinging to that is just pain because that was never reality. That was your best model of reality at that moment, right? Yeah. And as you get closer and you get more, a lot more information, like that's, that's the benefit of that is it gets you to move in, right? It gets you to really engage with the problem in, mm-hmm. a, in an active way. You're getting so much more information. You got to let that go because there's so, there's so much coming. There's so much feedback coming to you. And if you, if you trust your ability to deal with the actual information, you're going to make such a better decision. Yeah. I, I think it's just, it just makes sense that that's, it's, it's not rocket science or anything. Um, two, two other things. One of them being, this can sound obvious, but I, I think one of the things that's hard about this is recognizing where we're getting hung up, mm-hmm. recognizing what we're kind of hanging our hat on as a as the result, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's actually probably where most of the work is, is in record, like, yeah. okay, I'm miserable. Why am I miserable? Because I want this result. I expect this outcome. Oh, okay. Like, recognizing what, what that thing is, because yeah. a lot of times it's invisible to yeah. us, or it's really hard to... to to figure out. And so I think if if you've identified that, 
that usually is like the tipping point, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that's really where you, you start to come out the other side. And and that also can be kind of the most painful area of it. But you're you're just about to to make a breakthrough most of the time, I think. Yeah. Even if that breakthrough is a bit of despair, mm-hmm. right? Which usually which is true. I think despair sometimes is good yeah. here. Um and then the the last the last thing I want to say about this is maybe just to like map out this in another way um i the feeling that happens when you when you identify that and 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 can let it go truly let it go not just like mentally like okay i'm going to let this go yeah. because there's yeah, usually yeah. a time where you don't want to let it go yeah. right so you have to work with that but there i notice a lot of times that there's a shift there's a moment where it's like oh i'm letting this go mm-hmm. and then and and then all of a sudden it's like such a relief it's so spacious it feels so free and all of a sudden it's like oh this moment's not so bad yeah it was only bad when i was comparing it to that thing i think i wanted and yeah. then i didn't have and i saw how far away i was from that and i didn't feel like i was getting any closer but if i actually just right here this isn't so bad and actually maybe i can inhabit this space and this is fine yeah. and i'm maybe i got everything i need right now maybe everything i need is right here right now and it's such a wonderful feeling when that happens. It's yeah. such a relief. It's like some. It's like a load has been taken off, and you feel so much lighter. It's and like I all felt of a sudden you were when you felt that. Yes, yes. It's almost like you know you you were in a narrow, tiny hole where you can neither really fully lie down or sit down. You're kind of standing up. It's it's awful. And then all of a sudden you realize, ah. Oh, I've created this hole for myself. Once I lift this veil of perception, and so there's this really funny meme on, like, you know, back when I was still online, of like, you know, those Victorian kind of cartoons, or not cartoons, but like paintings, and so there's just a a woman crying in a Victorian dress or whatever, and her friend's like patting her on the back, and there's like two conversation bubbles, and the one who's patting on the back is like, who hurt you? And the woman who's crying is like, my expectation. <laughs> yeah. And like that is so goddamn true. And so he, but here's the here's the really interesting and where it gets real juicy and where I'm like kind of I'm riding that high right now of whenever you realize that you're miserable and then you identify that it's because you're not dealing with reality as it is, but more because you want a certain outcome and you don't know how you're gonna get to the outcome unpacking why that outcome is so important is a wonderful opportunity to deconstruct ego, not deconstruct, but to loosen the grip on what we want to happen and realize like whenever, I mean, personally, again, I can only say this for myself, but I think it's, I think it's pretty true, which is when you loosen what you want and you let life serve what life thinks you need you get way better like things are so so much nicer i think uh, the rolling stones said it best right you can't always get what you want but sometimes you get what you need yeah yeah (laughs) and and i think that's that's a lot of the time that's true and that's a real pro move though at that point too because then now now you're also transmuting mm-hmm. this whole confusion and misery yes. into well self-knowledge right yes. into some sort of understanding and maybe some loosening of these patterns and there's definitely as my wonderful therapist told me it's like the appropriate response in those moments is grief it's normal that grief comes up because you're actually letting parts of you 
and desires and and desires to control reality die. That is sad. There's a lot of sadness and grief in that. But man, on first off, that grief actually kind of tastes sweet to me these days. It's just like, yeah, it's it. There's a bittersweetness to to that, but it it's it's pleasant almost to just like letting that go because then what happens is I remove the filters between me and reality and life. I can experience the juiciness and the, the, the honey of life almost better. I I think it is definitely a bridge back to gratitude. There you go. And with that, with that, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Got way deep in the rabbit hole, but that that is legitimately something we wanted to talk about today. So yeah. it, it it's I feel like we it was great. So yeah, we moved back into the camper, drove up to Oregon, and so here I want to just insert a little like visual for you guys. We got these walkie talkies in our in the car. Alistair is driving the camper, Dorothy. Just cruising along on the high on the I five, and I'm driving the Subaru back and back there with our drums and our shamanic shit, just like, yeah. and we're like, we're driving in a convoy, and we're just like, okay, we ride on yeah. the walkie talkie. Yeah. It was epic. Yeah, we had to change. You, you had a code name for me. It was Fart Face. <laughs> we had to move on from that. <laughs> I, I wanted to be Eagle Rider. <laughs> I actually I don't remember what it was, but it was something like yeah. that. But yeah, we would talk back to each other like, "Hey, did you just see, see that woman that flipped me off? That was messed up. She cut me off." Anyway. But yeah, so we it made was that. Awesome. I I was able to like listen to an audiobook and and here I want to just dedicate this this particular visual to my 15-year-old self who had dreams back then of maybe one day I'll just take 3 months a vacation from the job that I'm working and I'll road trip in the US. It's like, ha ha, life served me way better than that. Yeah. It's so much nicer. It's my car and I'm driving with my husband in I felt I felt so free. Oh my God. Like driving now driving the up the, the I five. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Although I will say I hope that is the last time in a while that we have to drive the truck camper through California because it is so damn expensive. Yeah. California and their gas prices and that truck camper is thirsty. Yeah. So she's a she's a, thir- a thirsty yeah. gal. So we got up here and uh immediately we had been invited by the Heal Your Tribe gang, mm-hmm. which is um where we were trained with Combo a year ago. We've been, we were recently have been invited to come up and assist with a combo facilitator training. So now we were training other people who wanted to become combo facilitators like us. Yeah. Um, which we was, weren't leading the training. We were like, we were assisting, which was, yeah. which was great. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was like eight days and I thought it was like, okay, it'll be like a half day and then I'll have to get some work done. No, it was like nine to six or seven at <laughs> night with some extra chores after to do. And then you're just exhausted and you do it again. But it was awesome. It was, it was a really great time. Um, it was such a treat to sit so, like, when you do these ceremonies, there's a mesa, right? With, like, kind of, like, all your power altar. items and your, your altar, yeah. Like, all your sacred um, things. And uh, and and the leaders, or the, the facilitators, sit on one side of the mesa. And then the pasajeros, or the passengers, sit on the other side of the mesa. Mm-hmm. 
And we have always sat on the other side of the pasajeros. And this time we... I mean, in this context, obviously, when we lead our own combo... Oh, of things, course. ...circles, yeah. we are behind our mesa, but it's different. Like, that's the mesa. Yeah. That's the teacher's mesa. Yeah, you and know? this time we're sitting with our teachers. Mm. Um, that was... that, And that's been a year in the making. Um, that was really phenomenal. Kind of scary, too, because you're always like, oh, God, don't want to upset teacher. You yeah. Know? But, but uh, it went really, really well. And it was... It's been interesting because, you know, one thing I want to comment on this whole move. So your your experience has been very interesting to unpack, and I can definitely relate with it a lot. Um, my experience was strange for me. It was kind of new, yeah. which was like because, and I we had made the joke. I had made the joke to you several times during this process because like we didn't sell the camper. We knew we were going to move up to Portland, and we had no plans about how to do that other than we had the truck camper. Like, yeah. we had no idea what we were going to do, even where we were going to go. And we knew we had this training that we were going to start with. Yeah. And, and I was just joking. It's like, you know, most people would freak out about mm -hmm. this. Like, making a move to a different state, like, especially for us after not living anywhere for, for particularly long and... And all that. And not knowing even where you're going to land. Yeah. Or who you're going to stay with. All of that was up in the air. And we were going to have to figure it out five days before we left. Mm -hmm. And I made the joke that, you know, other people freak out. Other people being me <laughs> earlier in my life. And, <laughs> and, but the strange thing was, this time around, I had no, I was not concerned. Yeah. I, I didn't even, but I didn't think about it much. I didn't even try to plan it. Yeah. I just had this kind of unwavering faith that it was going to work out and and i just really didn't have any anxiety about it and it just it, it was always kind of there it was strange for me it's it's a new sensation to, yeah. to have that uh feeling and work out it did the, because like there was so much spaciousness in your attitude which was really nice as i was going through my own process around that and trying to find that my relationship with that spaciousness and what's interesting is uh a lot of these like big moves Especially when you go from, you know, there's a dream and then there's like, okay, actual reality. There's like a moment that feels very wobbly where you have to figure things out, but you don't want to commit to something out of fear or, you know, like you. So we had to kind of leave our options open quite a bit. And it's more and more obvious to me these days. It's like a lot of our life is about fostering opportunities and creating opportunities because I think ultimately we want to lead an interesting life and that is the way to do that. Yeah and you know this also I had a lot of experience with particularly when I was working more entrepreneurial settings not that I've ever really left that but like when I was working at a startup was that was kind of the name of the game mm -hmm. that's what I figured out which was like you got to work the opportunities yeah. you try to you know we would call it like putting you know, there's different metaphors that kind of get at it, like throwing spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks, mm -hmm. kind of gets at it. But another one that kind of got at it, which my boss would say a lot, is put as many sticks in the fire as you can. Mm -hmm. And, like, just get as much stuff. So, for example, here's a very tangible and example. And it's not an opportunistic attitude. No, you're you're cultivating. It's like it's like cultivating the earth, yeah. right? Like you're plowing it. You're, yeah. you're doing the hard work of, of making it fertile mm -hmm. and ready to for something to grow out of it. And you don't. And then you plant a bunch of seeds, and some of them take, and some of them don't. And you water the ones that do, mm -hmm. right? And in that, that I think that gets at it pretty well because then that gets at the sense that this isn't really all you making it happen. Oh, like totally. that there's something else in, involved and. 
and here's a good example. Here's or here's a decent example, um, a tangible one from work. Is like if you're going to, you, you need to find a new supplier for a new product line, right? Well, what the rookie would do, and what I'd like to do, and it's always tempting to do this because it's a lot less work, mm-hmm. is you go until you find one person, right? That's probably going to work. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, great, like new product line, found someone, it's going to work. And you start to convince yourself this is the person, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and you don't want to do any more work on it. So you're like, so now you've set yourself up for failure because now you're dependent on this person. Now, if there's anything that doesn't work, you're going to try to ignore it, right? Like you're going to try to force it. And, and you're in a really bad situation if it doesn't work out. So... That's kind of the lazy way. And sometimes you get away with that. You probably will not have the best outcome that way. And you will probably have a lot more stress. The better way to do it, which I learned, is more work up front. But it's a hell of a lot less work down the line. Which is that you keep going. once, Even when you find that guy you think it is, you find five more. Or as many more as you possibly can before like there's diminishing returns, right? Mm -hmm. Like you find enough where you feel pretty certain like, all right, three to four good options here. One of these is going to work out. And then you cultivate all of them. Yeah. And and you, because there's all sorts of things you don't know. And like, they're going to take time to kind of unfold. Yeah. And so you don't want to get into a situation down the line where they're unfolding and you only have one option and you have to start over, mm-hmm. right? Because now that's a hell of a lot more work and it delays everything. You yeah. want to get to a point where, all right, that option you thought was going to be the best doesn't work. You have three others. Mm-hmm. And actually, it turns out that one's better than you thought. Yeah. And and it didn't look like that in the beginning, but it actually turned out to be better later on for whatever reason. And I think that's a good example kind of of what we're talking about is like you work your options. It's a bit of a hustle. Yeah. It's a bit it's it's work. And it means staying in that uncertainty and not clinging to it to a solution prematurely. And I think that's what happens for most for most of the time. Right. Or for most people or for me not that long ago or whatever, which is like. I want to do the least amount of work to get out of the uncertainty. And I think this is where the, this is where the subtleties get lost on what actual the name of the game is. The name of the game is not to get out of uncertainty. The name of the game is create opportunity. Like it's like thriving. It's like, it's not just, Oh, I just want to survive. It's like, you're creating a scenario in which you can actually thrive and let, you know, that seed really pop. And, and so it's, it's you're going to reap the the benefits of that long term, right? Yes. Like, because it could create a much more spacious situation for you, even if you were just to solve the uncertainty, right? Yes. That might be like a kind of tight situation or one that's not super great fitting, but it, it kind of solved your need, yes. right? But like, if you work it more, you might create something that kind of blossoms or, or has all sorts of like side effects that yes. are great. And so one of the, one of the ways that that showed up, one of the ways that we explored options was like in the days leading up to our move, we were trying to figure out, okay, I called, I called a couple of RV parks to get a quote on if we wanted to get parked up there somewhere. Or, um, I also sent out like a, there's a daily digest from a, a dance community in, in Portland that I got onto. And I, I, I said, Hey, we're looking for a room. Cause at some point I explored the option of getting a room in a shared housing is, situation. This is where it's really helpful to really know what the, the requirements are, like what the non-negotiables are, mm-hmm. like what the actual need is yeah. and not like what, cause you don't want to like, you don't want to cut off options too early in this process. Right. Yes. Like, so you need to really know what, what's the real thing we need. Um, and in this 
Clay's point, it was, oh, we, we need somewhere to be yeah. in Portland. But yeah. it could look a lot of different ways. And one of the ways was, well, I had contacted this place um, called Wilderness. Or it's Trout Creek Wilderness Lodge. And I had actually been looking at it a few months earlier because I was looking for a place to to host uh, workshops and, and retreats up in Oregon. Um, and I wanted it to be in a wilderness setting for Wild Within. So that we had reached out to them, or I had earlier in the year, and when when I got to talking to him, we had a lot in common, and and you know I told him about the move, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, let me know if you need a place where you're looking. Um, and then, and then this is kind of goes back to that whole like uh, faith I had in it, which at a lot of times I was like, like, I would my mind would get in and be like, Alistair, you should be much more worried about this. Mm-hmm. You should be worried. What's about really this. funny though is that you completely we forgot about this whole Trout Creek Wilderness Lodge while yeah. we were in the thick of it, and I still remember one morning you woke up from the night and instead of you know kind of sluggishly emerging out of out of slumber or whatever, you just kind of like got up in bed and you were like, ah. Oh, I should reach out to Ian at Trout Creek because I feel like that could be an option. And it's it's funny because it sometimes, right. yes, it's like sometimes those things come out of your mouth and you're like, that's it. Yeah. I don't know how, but I think that's it. Yeah, like, there's like it's there's obvious, something, there's, some energy to yeah. it. And, and so that was the case. We reached out and yeah, lo and behold, uh, he, he was, he was open for that. Yeah. We moved up. So we, we stayed for the facilitator training. Then we stayed with some friends for a few days as well. But so here, actually, this is a good time to give a shout out because I know that they listen to the podcast sometimes. But, you know, that was one of the cultivating opportunities. I reached out to our friends, Hart and Esme, which actually we've mentioned on the podcast before because we parked up the camper at their house recently and they had a baby the night that we were the one night the one night we stayed in their driveway um Uh, several weeks early yeah yeah. yeah, just a couple of weeks early so like not super cleared when the when that baby was gonna come and and so that really what's interesting is that's when we met them and because we were present at such an interesting time in their lives and and it was such a meaningful thing for us too there's been quite a relationship that has blossomed yeah. out of it. And Hart actually joined the facilitator training that we were assisting in. So, so. yeah, so like the, the, that's kind of the ways also that I tend to view opportunities and these like options that you never know what's going to come out of what. Like it's always a good idea to make the connections when they feel right. And that yeah. one felt right from the beginning. And so we ended up reaching out to them being like, hey, so here's the deal here's what we'd need and maybe you guys would be open to sharing a room and it was a really like not not fully thought out but it's kind of like you want to throw the seeds yeah. and see if cast it's going it cast yeah. yeah and so we end up having a long conversation on the phone with them where we all realize like this is not really the right move to be having to be renting a room in their house because they have a family and it's a lot of transition right now and it wasn't also perfect for us no. in a lot of ways but the, th- that was a good opportunity to like reiterate our love for each other. And, and then they were like, but if we can help in any other way that is, you know, less committal, let us know. And then, yeah, a few days later, I was like, actually, it would be really helpful to keep the camper in their driveway while we're on the training so that we don't have to, you know, start paying rent on it, on to park the camper somewhere that we're not going to be for eight days. Yeah. And so we ended up doing that and then spending the weekend in their driveway and having tons of awesome connection. 
I was, I went to a women's circle with Esme, which I haven't done these kind of things in so long in person. We went to a park and, and women were gathered and babies. And I played with a three and a half year old and he showed me his shell collection. Oh, uh, see? Several times. Several times. <laughs> <laughs> you went and picked blackberries with him? Oh, we him? did. And we made a blackberry cobbler. We made a blackberry, oh, made a blackberry, cobbler. blackberry cobbler. Friends came over and we had dinner. It was like... All of a sudden, I had to kind of pinch myself because we had been, at that point, we had been in Portland for 10 days and we led a powerful, we, we facilitated a, a combo training that was insanely intense and powerful and so beautiful. And that was right off the back of two really powerful wilderness trips. And I was just like, how the hell is, like, how are we going from leading wilderness trips to leading yeah. combo facilitator trainings? Like, it's just like, whoa. And then this the is cherry crazy. on top of that Sunday for me was just like, in the community, we're already kind of our foot is in the door of these different communities that we care about. Esme's a birth worker, a birth keeper in Portland. And so she knows a lot of women in that space. And I'm totally interested in that space too. And, and that was one of the things I was hoping would come out of this move to Portland. And we have not even been here 10 days at that point well, that I'm already seeing these things being actualized. And we're being received by friends all over the place. It was great. It was, it was amazing. So and and we, then we came. Yeah. So we ended up parking. We actually ended up staying for a few days after the training too to gain our bearings. Um, in, in their in their driveway. Mm-hmm. And then that's the benefit of having a truck camper is that it fits in driveways. Yeah. Um, and then we came down to here, uh, which is Trout Creek Wilderness Lodge. Which so is this like, is where we're at. If you've, uh, if you've made it so far in the episode, <laughs> yes, we are in a gorgeous, never touched, never logged it's piece old of growth wilderness forest. forest. Yeah, there's a lot of broadleaf maple. There's a few oaks. There's Douglas fir. There's some yew trees. Very, um, very old yew trees. Yeah, but it's it's like, it's very, it's interesting because comparing it to like the High Sierra Forest of Yosemite's, it's so much wetter here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's got that very mystical, fairy-like, enchanted feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's beautiful. Uh, Ian's, Ian's family has managed for, for generations to keep this patch of land one parcel mm-hmm. and to protect it. And and it hasn't been logged or, or anything like that. And Ian's doing some really interesting projects on the land. Um, they host retreats here. They have a lot of like, primitive cabins and some teepees. They are just finishing up a, a, bath house. a bathhouse with a, a cedar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're making everything out of felled trees here that are just like that have naturally felt yeah yeah and uh so they've got like a a a cedar hot tub and then there's a a claw a claw foot bathtub for cold plunges and a sauna there's a hot tub out on the ledge overlooking the river a huge deck overlooking the river a nice place to go down and swim we've been basically my routine every night or every evening is to jump in the river go up in the hot tub for 15 minutes go back jump in the river and then come back up, and we're parked here. We got internet, we got power, we got a laundry room, we got a bathroom. It's been amazing. It's yes. absolutely been amazing, and it's a beautiful place. And I would highly recommend anyone. Oh yeah. That uh, would like some some time away. This is a really great place to come and stay and come and visit. Like you come here, we felt it immediately after being in Portland for a while. So mm. come here within an hour, your nervous system system just settles. 
And it's just like, oh. And the beauty so is that relaxed. we're an hour away from Portland, yeah. which is just perfect because it's not so far that it's a hassle, but it's also far enough away that we're in the forest and you, you can easily forget that not that far away there's a hustling and bustling city with, you know, traffic and, yeah. and, and suburbs and stuff. And, and, so yeah, if you want to come hang out, please do that. We're going to uh, we're reach going... out first, but reach out first for <laughs> sure. Yeah, don't tell and yeah, definitely reach out first. Don't be weird. Uh, but we're also going to uh, be serving combo out here, and we have a lot that's lining up. It's it's like the ways again, the ways that things have lined up are beyond I think our wildest expectations. And... Everything feels like it's flowing. We have been invited to start training. Yeah, we're going to start. One. We're so going to start we doing our own level one trainings and for the combo. Uh-huh. It's it's pretty amazing that like the goals we had and so far are are ended up being realized just in very different, different ways. ways. And we had come up here with the intention of like, okay, combo, 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 please help us because that's that was. Are, that was going to help us kind of afford this mm-hmm. and kind of get us rooted and build community. And literally, immediately, we jumped straight into a training. That opened doors for more trainings. We're going to be doing another, uh, we're going to be assisting on another level one and level two training with Heal Your Tribe in November. If you're interested, if you're interested in that, check that out. We'll yeah. put the link to their to their website in the show notes at the Far Out Podcast. No, thefarout.life. Yeah. Yeah, that's our website. <laughs> <laughs> We're not online very much these days. I have not had much urge to be online. No, lately. I don't, and I don't want to either. And I think I think that's uh, that's part of cultivating our our yeah. the work that we do. So we found a place where because that was another question is like how where are we going to host these? And we found so far a creative arrangement in a wonderful place that's beyond our wildest dreams about where we would end up. It's been it's it's absolutely a dream. And right we're now. like we're dreaming up. Um, a cool retreat. Yeah, we've got some stuff in the works. One of them is we're working on wilderness initiation trips. Mm. So if that's interesting to you, um, it sure as hell is to me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're we've got some we got some stuff in the works on that. It's just like all of a sudden we arrive here, we put down some roots, and I just feel like the our creativity just like went through the roof. Yeah, I am so. It felt like electricity was running through our body. I right? this entire week. So we're recording this on the Friday. We moved on the onto the land. We arrived Monday evening. And it's just been nonstop intensity of like just creativity and opportunity. We're just really juiced up and it's life is awesome. And, uh, and I just, yeah, life is awesome when you actually experience reality as it is. And I'm so goddamn happy that we didn't sell the camper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Turned out to be good. Oh, and something we didn't even mention in this, which is worth mentioning now before we close here is, during um, the training, we actually had someone reach out to us about the camper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Her name was Leslie. And uh, she was, she had seen our old ad back in, in the Bay Area. And she was in Northern California. She actually drove up to Oregon uh, with, her, with her sister uh, to come check it out. And we showed it to them after the training. And they were interested in buying it. And that's when we realized, well, we have, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of when we realized we didn't want to sell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um 
The Lord works is, in mysterious ways. Yeah, we, I mean, it would be a nice pile of cash to to, to yeah, sell this bad but, boy. But, but to some degree, it's like I don't even know what we would do. No, I exactly. I don't, you know. Exactly. So it's like that. It's that. Uh, also, you think you want something, and then you get it, and you realize you didn't yeah. want that thing after all. The or, truck camper has been a very useful asset yeah. in, in in allowing this life to continue. So we're not quite ready to part with Dorothy. We're blessed, Dorothy, coming through. Thank you for listening. Thank you. If you if you couldn't tell, life is pretty good right now you, for you us. You couldn't tell we're very happy right now. And you know what? Sometimes I think the courageous thing to do is to admit to ourselves that life is good and soak it all up. So we're trying to do that, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. The other day you were like, I don't think life is better than it's ever been. And I kind of feel that way too. Yeah, we're in a good place. And there's a lot of, a lot of possibility, a lot of ideas flowing. A lot of meaning. There's a lot of momentum. Yeah. We're, we're doing the things we want to be doing, and it's it's really exciting. It and is. I hope that is also the case in your life, listener. Yeah. We love you. And, uh, you know, you know how to support the podcast, but we're going to tell you in your yeah. ways in and case you do Particularly don't. on this one, you know, if something here resonated with you or you want to share, maybe share how life's going well for you. We'd love to hear. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can reach us at info at thefaroutpodcast.com no, no that's not not, not that, absolutely God. not that is not <laughs> Alistair is not online <laughs> info at thefaroutlife that's right info at thefaroutlife and uh, we'd love to hear how you're doing we would love to hear yeah alright yes you can support this podcast There's you a few can different support ways this podcast this. yes so the three ways that we like to say are the first one is you can leave us a review on Apple Podcast, that helps a lot, and then yeah. we re- we read it out loud on the podcast, and it's always a pleasure. Yeah. You can also share this episode with a friend yeah. if you want to. You know, we found we've heard from a lot of people that are those episodes are kind of conversation sparkers. So if you want to listen to this this episode with a friend or send it to them and then have a chat, you may be surprised at what comes out of it. And the last. Thing is you can become a patron if you want to support us financially we are at uh, patreon.com slash the far out couple we have a few different tiers you can also do a one-time donation that is on the show notes of this podcast at the far life and there's one last way financially you can get involved which is you could buy some organic raw cacao we drink cacao before every one of these podcasts we absolutely love cacao it's amazing it's a heart opener it's a connector it does a lot of things uh, we've talked about it plenty of times there will be a link uh, also in the show notes to buy yourself some cacao and for we each get a little kickback. yeah each brick of cacao you buy uh, you will know that you are supporting local Guatemalans bring cacao to the world and you are also supporting this podcast we love you see you next week toodles toodles, toodles.